So you're a brand new patient for us, Ms. Wolf. Yes, my regular doctor, Dr. Papazian, is rotting in an Armenian prison for 50 years. Take a deep breath, in and out. <gasps> Did you hear that? And breathe again. <gasps> and again. <gasps> and one more time and hold it. And let it out. Doctor, what is that? I'm pretty sure it's Lady of Spain, but we'll need to run some tests. No, I mean, why am I making that noise every time I breathe? First of all, I caution you not to worry. This is still what I would consider within a normal range. Normal? How is this normal? Okay, call it unremarkable. Hey, do you know that song, Call Me Irresponsible? Starts on a bouncy C. And a one, and a two, and a... Doctor, I don't know any songs in the context of my respiratory disorder. Well, there's a lot of this going around right now. Have you had any form of sexual contact with an accordion player? No. Has anybody? <laughs> Good one. I'm going to use this with my other patients. Other people have this? Oh my god, yes. The support group meetings sound like somebody's murdering a polka band. Well, maybe it's not so bad then. Because accordions have become really cool in the last two decades. Which is the point of our show today. And now, he spent his junior year in Switzerland learning to do the chicken dance, Colin McEnroe. I happen to be somebody who has a hard time picking up dance steps, so I realize an entire year of my college career is a long time to have to learn to do the chicken dance. But that's actually how long it took me. To, I did it really well at the end of that year. By the way, the chicken dance actually was. It originated in Switzerland. I did that amount of research. Uh, unfortunately, after I got back two weeks later, I couldn't remember how to do it anymore. So I just don't have that mind for that kind of thing. All right, so we're going to talk about accordions today. And uh, let me just tell you my sort of come-to-Jesus uh, aperçue the, the, when the skies opened. And I realized how cool accordions were. Okay, because this is all about me, obviously. Um, so, no, it's like, I don't know, 2001, 2002. I'm in New York. I'm in a club called Fez, which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist anymore. Will, one of our guests, would know that, I think. But I think it's not there anymore. Uh, but anyway, and I'm, I'm there to see a band I really liked called Dave's True Story. And Dave's True Story were kind of like, they were sort of hipsters before there were hipsters. I mean, they sort of were one of the groups, I think, and, and part of the sort of maybe Brooklyn movement that, that started the style that really became hipsters. Um, and so they were sort of these kind of jazz – it's hard to explain who, who or what they were like. But at a certain point anyway, they brought out this accordionist whose name I think was Walter. Uh, and they just started adding the accordion to what they were doing. And I thought, wow, accordions are really cool. You know, and these people are the coolest people right now that I'm aware of on the planet, and they're working with accordionists. And then I sort of thought back, and I realized how much I'd been listening to accordions pretty much all my life. Uh, you just don't necessarily think about it that way. And I do think that Americans are accordion bigots. Uh, we're going to get at why that is today. But Americans, I mean, I can't tell you how many people, including like the person I live with, uh, said, you're doing a show about accordions? And I said, yes, we're going to do a show about how cool accordions are and how if you lived anywhere else in the world, if you lived in Argentina, if you lived in Paris, if you lived in the Balkans, if you lived on the Texas-Mexico border, if you lived in New Orleans, you would know right away that accordions were cool and the people who played them were really good musicians and we wouldn't even be having this conversation, but instead we're sitting here in the Northeast and I have to explain 
all, or my guests have to explain all over again how cool accordions are. Uh, anyway, you will leave this show converted. Let me tell you who's here. Well, also, one of the other people who started us down this road is Will Holshauser. I mean, as fate would have it, Will was available when we were in New Haven earlier this summer at the International Festival of Pancakes, Arts, and Ideas. And so uh, he became our house band there in the lobby of the, the study on, uh, on whatever, the Chapel Street in, in New Haven. Uh, and Will is the accordion player for... Uh, for Regina Carter, but for many other groups as well. And he has his own uh, trio, Musette Explosion. Uh, we'll be talking about that and playing some of their work. Uh, then we discovered, uh, Wolfie got all involved in the show, and so she discovered Corey Pesaturo, a multiple award-winning accordion player from Rhode Island. He's here in studio with us. And Christine Crowder, an accordion player who specializes in klezmer and other Eastern European styles and is a, a member of the accordion violin viola trio, Biovolita. By Volita? And Brian Slattery plays in that? He does, he's yes. Our, he's our dog, Brian Slattery. That's right. And it's it's Bivolitza. Bivolitza? That's Bivolitza. right. I didn't do a very good job of that. Then, That's did okay. I? All right. So uh, I, I, I scarce know where to begin, but um, I thought maybe just for starters, we could very quickly run through uh, oh, that's where we're going to begin. Thank you for reminding me. So a little bit later in the show, you're going to hear um, a short uh, taped interview. It's actually an edited interview, and we'll have the full version of it on our website with James Fearnley, who is the um, accordionist for the Pogues. Uh, and, uh, but we wanted you to hear one little part of this. This is actually from a book that he wrote, but he actually read it out loud to us. It's his description of his first real encounter with the accordion, when the accordion is delivered to him, I think, in a laundry bag by other members of the Pogues who want to recruit him into the band with the understanding that he will he must learn to play the accordion. And so he's thinking, what sort of beast is this? And so let's just hear that this one little description. It needed straps. The only thing to hand was my dad's old scholar's tie, which I knotted round the metal fittings. I hoisted it up. It was lighter than I expected. I laughed at the gym crackery of it, the fact that it was made mostly of wood and cardboard and held together by pins. It was basically a harmonica with keys attached. Opening the bellows revealed gold bookbinders edging white, cardboard, tucks of amber leather where the cardboard folded and the bright metal corners of the veins. The grill was brazen filigree with tarnished wire cloth underneath. I loved the tawdry perloid plastic of the keys. I made a five-finger cord and dragged it open. The sound was luscious. It had the sonority of a mouth organ deepened by the wood and the bellows. It was succulent with vibration as the double voicing of the reeds got going, a slight dissonance undulating between them as the air passed through. That afternoon, the presentiment of a common destiny passed between the accordion and me. Um, Will Holshauser, as you hear that, um, there must be some resonance because as I understand it, the Pogues and that particular gentleman are one of the one of the reasons, anyway, that uh, you hold an accordion uh, as uh, for a living these days. Absolutely, the Pogues. When I was in high school, I grew up in Boston, and in the 1980s, I was interested in, among other things, punk rock, and that's how the Pogues drifted onto my radar, and uh, I just loved their sound. I loved their music. I didn't think about it too much. I just loved it. And then a few years later, I was in college. 
I was studying mostly jazz, piano, and composition. And a friend of mine gave me an old accordion as a surprise. And it, again, uh, James's description of being given his accordion resonated with me because my friend gave me this thing that he picked up in a rummage sale. It was super old. It smelled terrible. It was moldy. <laughs> it was musty. But... It, and it also it made me laugh. There's something funny about it right away, which was great, which is not, you know, I didn't find the piano funny. Right. So anyway, but I immediately thought of the Pogues and like, wait a minute, that's what I can try with this is like, maybe we could do something kind of like what the Pogues do because they're so great. So, uh, Corey Vesituro, uh we'll all do our accordion uh, discovery <laughs> stories. I did mine. He did his. How is it that you happen to be holding an accordion right now? Well, I mean, my dad had played accordion back when accordion was cool and yeah. was the thing to play. So this is like a Yankovic uh, kind of thing, right? the father-to-son accordion. I, I guess you could say. <laughs> he quit for 40 years and, uh, and then took it out when I was nine. And, you know, my story is it, it is the first instrument. It wasn't I was a musician or something and someone brought me an accordion. The first instrument I ever touched was the accordion. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've stayed with it, which seems to be, I don't know, different because lots of people go off to piano or start on piano and go to accordion. But the accordion has been my thing the whole time. And, and I think you, maybe the most of all of our guests, are kind of an accordion evangelist. I, I don't know how much a Will uh, cares whether anybody else plays the accordion. We can ask him about that in a second, or, or Christina. But you, <laughs> you, you really want the accordion to, to change its status in some ways, right? You, I mean, you really, you're, you're bringing the gospel of the accordion. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's kind of been a lifelong you know, mission to make the accordion cool and, and respectable again, like you said, in all these other places where it is, but in much of America since about 1960, 65 or so, it's kind of been more of a laughing stock for most of the time. But with all these musicians, when you, when I watch them, when I, uh, I've been on their websites, I've been listening to their music, and I'm just uh, constantly bowled over, even though I've tried to school myself on this a little bit, by what the accordion can do and what they can do with the accordion. Corey, since you happen to be uh, holding your accordion in your arms right now, <laughs> you want to give us a little uh, give us a, a, a little blast, give us a little sort of sense of your virtuosity what, on this uh, What style, I guess, did you want something? Well, I, I've, been wa- I've been watching you play a lot of sort of Ellington stuff and, you know, a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, sort of pretty much straight ahead jazz music, but in okay. your own usual, your own unusual way. I mean, do you want to do that? Well, you can, I can do that. All right. So <laughs> we can do something more accordion like or something less accordion like, but we'll do that. So, so that doesn't sound quite as much like an accordion no. as maybe Christine is going to sound in a few right. minutes when she picks it up. Explain what it is that's that's uh, that's happening with your accordion. Well, record. it's on the right hand and that I had a couple of electric pianos which were touch sensitive along with the accordion sound which is was pulse sensitive, more like a, a normal accordion. So that's still being pulled by the bellows. And in the left hand I have kind of an acoustic bass on the top part where we normally have uh, single notes. And then there's some drums with it as well. And then I have uh, it's especially chords. Funny to, it's so funny to watch him do that. I mean, I, I don't know if you can possibly picture this at home, but he's just sort of doing kind of accordion things yeah. with his well, fingers. A lot of, this a lot of people think out. there's always backing tracks, which yeah. is kind of a problem, um, <laughs> especially when I do 
in any kind of uh, modern electronic stuff. You know, there's no backing tracks. I am playing everything. It just would sound like this if I was doing it just accordions. <laughs> right. You you have to look at our website later, wnpr.org. We'll give you pictures. You kind of give us a, a, get a kind of a sense of this. So, Christina, first of all, uh, yeah. So you you probably want to play the accordion first, or, or you know, you're close enough. You might tell us how you came to be playing the accordion. Well, my grandmother, my Finnish grandmother from Oregon sent me a check for Christmas when I was in college, and she said, Happy Christmas, go buy an accordion. <laughs> and I was, I was just horrified because I was like, oh, geez, you know, I'm already very uncool, and now I have to get this accordion. She was not <laughs> a woman that you would disobey, really, in this, this respect. But then, you know, I, I discovered that there was all this great music that I could play on it. I took it with me when I went to England, and I played in the streets and the tubes in London with my three songs and I started learning Irish music and then I discovered Bulgarian music and then slowly, slowly then I discovered uh, klezmer music. I mean, it, you know, uh, first of all, that's my favorite quote so far of the day. I'm already uncool and now I have to get this accordion. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> except that I mean, one of the things that I keeps – that uh, as I've prepared for this show, I sort of went back and started figuring, figuring out all the songs – that I've listened to all my life that have accordions in them. Uh, and there's like a lot of them. In fact, I'm a huge Beach Boys fan, but I didn't really process the fact that it wouldn't it be nice. Pretty much all that propulsive sound is – it's actually I think Brian had two accordions in the studio just because he – you know, the production was a little less sophisticated then. And he wanted to make a lot of accordion noise. But, you know, whether it's Paul Simon, Boy in the Bubble, you know, Bob Dylan doing Joey, Rolling Stones doing Backstreet Girl, the band doing Bob Dylan stuff, Bruce Springsteen doing, you know, Fourth of July at Asbury Park, better known as Sandy. You know, I, I've been listening to accordions and everybody else listening to this show has been listening to accordions all their lives with the cool, the talking heads, with the coolest people that they can think of. It's just that they don't think that they're listening to accordions somehow. I think you have to sort of embrace the fundamental uh, absurdity of this instrument. Or as James Fairley said, the fundamental crapness of it. Well, there's that. Yes, it's the mother <laughs> of plastic. And then there's this bizarre, this weird sort of mechanical uh, machine. You have, to, you have to strap it onto your body. It has this, it has this huge range of motion. And, and it just looks strange when you yeah. play it. A cello is elegant. You wrap yourself around the cello or you drape yourself over a bass and that's one thing. But this is just this thing. It's like an animal. It moves. You pull it out. You push it in. It makes all these strange sounds. So you have to really embrace that and just live with it before you can kind of move on to discovering how awesome the instrument really is. So one direction that you've gone in and, and is it, uh, the other thing that's happened is a lot of kinds of music have become cooler, you know. So klezmer music has become cooler uh, when Ben Fold starts working with the klezmatics or whoever they were. Uh, and you've got, uh, uh, you've got Gogo Bordello and all these you know, sort of Balkan gypsy punk bands and stuff like that. So give us, give us a little of that sound, the sound that, the, the idiom that you play in, just so we get that other sense. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right. I feel as though we should have cafe tables here and tiny cups of extremely strong and acrid coffee that we're drinking while this is uh, all happening. So um, one of the things, and we'll talk more about the history and nature of the instrument a little bit uh, later, but um, Will Holsalzer, one of the things that I'm aware of just listening to uh, the two of them and having heard you play a lot uh, the day you worked with us, and we're going to be playing some stuff from your, your upcoming CD in just a second, is this is kind of an instrument that I mean, I guess you can't say that an instrument can do anything, but, you know, it really can do a lot of things. It's not like a cello and it's not like a tuba and it's not even really like a piano just in terms of the amount of things that it can do. And one of the things that I notice that you do in your music, I mean, you play in a lot of different styles, but you really do kind of also take it into kind of a post-bop jazz sound at times. And, and I'm wondering, do you feel as though the instrument's kind of inviting you to experiment um, in, in a way maybe that another instrument wouldn't? Yeah, in a sense, because at least coming out of playing jazz, there haven't been as many jazz accordionists as there have, you know, maybe jazz musicians on other instruments. So, and there's a sense of, you know, as we discover all these kinds of music from around the world, discover for ourselves, that is, they've always been there for people who play them. But there's this feeling of possibility and openness. And to me, you know, just the the physicality of the sound, the way the the overtones rub together, the the way the richness of the bass notes, um, the different effects you can get with the reed settings from really low to really high. Oh, I didn't realize you. Ha- I didn't realize you had an accordion with you in there. I wasn't sure whether you oh, actually I had do. one with you. Yeah, okay. accordion is always yeah, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's, you know, the as you said, the instrument does – it's a great blender in terms of working with other people and it's also a great sonic palette in terms of, you know, creating something of your own. Um, there's just a great, uh, you know, world of possibility both in terms of the – like I was saying, the, the sonic uh, the physicality of the sound and also the different things that you hear – people around the world doing. And, you know, the more I listen to accordionists from around the world, the more inspired I get to, you know, you might hear an inflection or a sound or something like that that makes you think, oh, I could do this a little differently or uh, I could try something like that. All right. So now that I know that you're armed and dangerous, um, give us <laughs> give us like a little 60 second uh, Will Holzhauser uh, riff uh, as, before we go into the to the Pogues interview. OK, here's the tune I wrote called Department of Peace.
Okay, that's Will Holzhauser. So you're going to meet uh, all of the, these uh, musicians a lot more. You're going to hear them play in studio. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the accordion. Uh, I think uh, in, in the next segment, we really have to kind of come to grips with um, what happened to the accordion, how it went from being this uh, basic and, and indispensable music for all uh, instrument for all kinds of musical styles to uh, a little bit of a social leper. Uh, and then uh, talk also a little bit about its amazing comeback, which we are helping to spearhead, although it's basically, I think, mission accomplished already. But anyway, so as we go into this segment, we're going to hear our, our interview with James Fearnley. Uh, and so I'll just let, um, I think it's, it's sort of self-introducing, as they say. This is very exciting. James Fernley is the accordion player for the Pogues and the author of the memoir, Here Comes Everybody, the Story of the Pogues. He's many other things besides, and we'll, we'll come to some of those things as we go along here. But we really want to talk to him, obviously, about his love and mastery of the accordion. Here in the U.S., for a long time, the accordion really was stigmatized and, yeah. and kind of reviled. And I don't think that's true in most of the world. I think if you go to Greece, if you go to Spain, if God knows if you go to Argentina, if you go anywhere where there's a Zydeco kind of Cajun tradition, it's assumed that, that the accordion is kind of a virtuoso's instrument. It's something that you have to be good to be able to play, and, and it's often the featured instrument. But for some reason, or, well, I mean, I think we can come up with a sociological explanation why in the U.S. that was not the case for many years. But I wasn't sure about the British Isles. Obviously, in Irish trad bands, they do play concertinas and, yeah. and accordions. So, But what was the reputation at the moment that you, that you picked up an accordion? I think it shared the same crapness that you get with um, the, the sort of ethos of gypsies. And I think gypsies are looked, well, I don't think, I know that they're looked down upon by many people in England. But that's just the design element, I suppose. Another thing that maybe was ridiculed in, in England and always has been uh, is the, the way that it's attached in people's minds to Morris dancing. I don't know if you're familiar with I'm familiar with Morris. I have my own uh, horse on a stick right here in the studio. Oh, so. okay. Well, Morris dancers, they are ridiculed um, nationwide. <laughs> and justly so. I yeah, so I think it's got that kind of connotation. You know, the um, other thing that the accordion has, mm. for, for good or ill, I think, but I, I think in your case for good, is sentiment. There's a sense of, of it's a very sentimental instrument. I, I think we could, you, you could argue that any musical instrument in the right hands mm. is a sentimental instrument. But there's something, and, and maybe this, this explains the actual preemptive decision by the Pogues that there was going to be an accordion, is that there's something emotive, naturally emotive about an accordion that goes a little fur, farther, I think, than any musical instrument. I can imagine. Yeah, I think there's a risk of sentimentality with it that I think it does well to just shy away from. And that's where it works best in that area before you get to sentimentality, where you do have the dissonance between, well, I mean, you can choose a dissonance between the reeds. I know that the French and I think Germans, but not, not quite so much the French sound of, of accordion there's the three reeds going a lot of the time, which is your kind of conventional Parisian evokes Paris better than probably anything right. apart from an onion <laughs> <laughs> or a beret or a striped shirt. It's right in bicycle. there. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get what you mean about the, the, the sentiment part of it. And, and I would imagine playing it also, there, there's something about, I mean, when even the description that you read from your book, mm. there's something very 
organ-like about it, not like, not like a pipe organ, but you know, it's resting on your chest. Yeah. And it, it breathes, right? You, you're operating essentially its lungs. And, lung. and it's emitting its own plaintive sound as well. I mean, this really, it's about as close to having a baby or something that you play as you could come. Well, carrying a baby as in pregnant... Uh, it would be a funny place to um, to carry a baby, but indeed, yeah, to have have a breathing thing so close to your chest that you're um, carrying all the time. Yeah, indeed, it's. Um, I never even thought about that particular aspect of it, but it is like having a a living thing very close to your heart. At the same time, it is one of the daftest damn things to um, to strap onto your onto your chest ever. I'm, I'm trying to think, think of things that you strap onto your chest. <laughs> there aren't that many anyway. but No, there aren't that many, and it's pretty daft. So the day you picked up a guitar, you had in your mind or were trying to get out of your mind, I don't know, Eric Clapton, Keith Richards, who knows? You know, I mean, but when you pick up an accordion, when you picked up this accordion or your first accordion, mm. you don't necessarily have weighing on your soul, you know, this huge anxiety of influence i would assume about other accordion players right you're mm. kind of did you feel kind of free to make up your own accordion style because you, you couldn't name 200 you could name 200 guitarists probably but you couldn't name you know two or three accordionists probably on that day no no in fact pro- probably none <laughs> none at all i would say uh, i'm just trying to think if i would even known of lawrence welch at that time <laughs> i doubt it yeah because it's kind of like um, an empty canvas in a way, one of the first things I started to do on the accordion was to play hymn tunes because with the bass, you can do that stepping up through um, a triad that, that, that you can get in hymn tunes on the bass pedals. So I played Abide With Me first on the accordion. And then I suppose over the years, because it's been a matter of picking up what idioms there are floating around that I, I liked the sound of and whatever fitted with what the Pogues were doing. Of course, the, the, I would have to go in an Irish direction. So do, I, I did start to listen to Irish music sort of more closely in order mm. to get some of the fingering. I, I've still not got it down. <laughs> but then to go towards brass section configurations as well, and even rhythms like on Stax or James Brown or uh, Booker T and the MGs and, and stuff like that, just the, the chord structures and rhythms and the stabs. For me, it was a bit of a playground because I had nothing to head towards. So, um, James Fernley, um, one thing that we know around here is that accordions are occasionally the object of humor. Uh, and so there was a famous cartoon in America that showed the devil greeting somebody and saying, Oh, that's a Gary Larson. Gary Larson, welcome to hell, here's your accordion. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to paraphrase a Frank Skinner joke, you know, the, the definition of an optimist would be an accordionist with a pager. I, uh, I hear that you've been trafficking in accordion jokes uh, in your emails to one of our producers. So do you want to... <laughs> Do you, yeah, do you want to give us one? one? Terry Woods, the Saturn player in the Pogues, said to me, um, James, do you know what the definition of a gentleman is? So I said, no. A gentleman is a man who can play the accordion but doesn't. <laughs> well, that's as good a place to end as any. James Fernley is the author of Here Comes Everybody, the story of the Pogues, a band in which he plays the accordion. We'll go out with a little of his fabulous playing. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Our very last chance. I 
And if you cut me, don't you think I feel? Is this body play? Is this heart made of steel? We're back. Uh, we're talking about accordions, uh, and I think it is sort of time to to uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that that came up in in the James Fernley interview um, about sort of the. I mean, I really I've been dealing for days with accordion bigots, and some of them are people pretty close to me who just you know cannot imagine that accordions are cool. Um, so well, first of all, we're going to just do a little bit uh, more work on on trying to uh, prove that to you, but also talk a little bit about where this bigotry comes from, how it uh, arose. Uh, and so, but maybe before we do that, um, because I, I, once again, I think the diversity and the versatility of the instrument is is one of the things that people maybe even fail to understand if if they're kind of grounded in some Lawrence Welk understanding of it. So uh, yeah, Corey Pesadura, you want to give us like a little sort of club uh, techno uh, accordion uh, demo here? Yeah. This is on accordion. Yeah, it's been all of this on So let's talk a little bit about this, the, the stigma and sort of where, where the stigma comes from. So one theory – okay, Will, there, there's a book called Squeeze This by Marianne Jacobson in which you are mentioned uh, I think in the introduction. Uh, she is the person who tried to, uh, to, to really write a his, history of the accordion. We thought about having her on but we've got four accordionists. I mean what – where, where do we have time for a historian? But um, So one of the theories that she posits, and I'll, I'm going to let all of you react to it a little bit, but I'll start with you, Will, uh, is that, that somehow or other the accordion wound up counterpoised to the rise of rock and roll. You know, as not that the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and people like that didn't use accordions or at least open reed instruments, uh, and, and, and not, but, but somehow or other when it wasn't, Rock and roll, when it wasn't Elvis, when it wasn't Bill Haley in the comments, when it wasn't – it was like Lawrence Welk somehow or other and Myron Florin and that this was just so far the opposite of rock and roll that it came to be seen as this kind of treacly enemy of rock and roll. And does that argument I – mean, you're way too young to have any direct experience of that. But does that argument make any sense to you or do you have a different theory about how the, the rock – how the accordion got stigmatized? No, that theory makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, I'm, I was not there in the 50s and 60s, but I was there in the aftermath, you know, in the 70s and 80s of that, that idea of cool, the rock and roll idea of cool, 
with you know the with maybe James Dean as the the paragon of cool and the accordion was not bad the accordion i think during that time was seen as the good kids instrument you take lessons you do what your parents tell you you play the accordion if you want to be a little bad and a little cool then you play rock and roll and you play the guitar mm-hmm. um so i think there's a lot to be that goes along with that also i think it was seen as an ethnic instrument uh ethnic in quotes that old idea of you know it was played by the italians or the polish in america and then during the 50s and 60s a lot of people saw that as something they unfortunately wanted to get away from um and then there was also a sonic aspect the accordion used to be very difficult to amplify in the last 20 years, they've made much better microphones for the accordion. So I think during the heyday of amplified screaming rock and roll, the accordion just couldn't keep up. The microphones sounded terrible, and I think that was one thing that that maybe was annoying to people. So th- I think that I agree with her theory, and there are many, many aspects to it, I think. So Christina Crowder uh, standing there busking with your accordion. I don't know where this was happening, whether it was New York City or some northwestern uh, mass transit system. Uh, but you felt pretty uncool, mainly because or partly because you only knew three songs, but also because you were playing with the, playing the accordion. Um, maybe if you'd been doing the same thing on the metro, you know, in in, in Paris uh, at the Bastille stop or something, you would have felt cooler. But have you? Managed to start feeling cool as an accordion player? Oh sure. Well, I'm still doing it, and I and I and uh, you know I was lucky because I I took I took the instrument I took my accordion to England with me when I went for my junior year abroad, and where I was busking was in London. Mm-hmm. So I learned my tunes there, and then I got sucked into an Irish jam where these old guys gave me pints and like sort of let me sit in with them and learn the tunes, and then I you know I was off playing in Amsterdam, and I was off in Europe, and so so. I mean, I got over that feeling pretty quickly, and I and I would agree with Will about this. All of his points: the ethnicity, the the baby boomer generation turning away from the accordion. Um, but but once you kind of get into playing it and you see what it can do, uh, it's it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal instrument. You know what Corey does, what Will does, what I do. We do completely different things, but they all come from the same family of instruments. It's remarkably diverse what can be produced with this thing. So, Corey, when I said the battle was won, I mean, I'm sort of thinking about the fact that, I mean, you know, even uh, 10 or 15 years ago, you had groups like Bare Naked Lady and They Might Be Giants, which were admittedly kind of crypto-nerdy groups. But, I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> they're accordion. They use accordion, they, you know, and they feature accordion. REM, after a while, started um, doing a, a lot more accordion. And then you move on to, like, Arcade Fire and Beirut and the Decemberists. I mean, these are really dominant indie bands that are using a lot of accordion uh, in in their work and, and have featured players who are accordionists. And yet you told me during the break you don't think the battle has been won yet. Well, it's that the accordion is it's seen more. It's definitely seen more. And, and Will, just to say, it, you, you kind of nailed it with everything I think you said uh, with that, you know, in the 60s. It was like, well, if I, you know, everybody was rebellious against their parents. Their parents are playing accordion watching <laughs> Lawrence Welk. I want to be cool, so I don't want to do whatever they, you know, not do what they do. So that's don't play accordion. I'm going to play guitar. And that, that kind of hurt um, for, for main thing. But I was, yeah, I was saying, do you think it's back? Well, here's two things I was thinking about just during the break. Socially, in my generation, um, you just think 30 and under, who have not really been 
known to the accordion, really, because it's been vanished for a while since the 60s, 70s. If I go into a bar, I see a girl I like, I go talk to her, and oh, what do you do? I play accordion. That is, I can tell you, it's always an... Now, even when I say I'm a three-time world champion at it, mm-hmm. it still is like, oh, yeah, huh, that's cool. Now, if I said I'm a three-time world champion guitar player, they're going to call every one of their friends and say, you have to come meet this guy I just met at a bar. So socially, for the most part of my generation, it's it's interesting. Where 30 years ago, it was, it was like really bad. It's interesting, but it's still like, eh, okay, accordion. Nah, nah. The other thing, <laughs> in terms of marketability... I have still never attained an agent. I've been looking for one forever. And every agent I've ever gone to, even David Foster's people, they all said, wow, I've never heard anyone do on accordion what you're doing and what you're trying to do and the stuff you play and your achievements. It's amazing. It's just, wow. Well, I don't know what to do with it, though, so sorry. It's not marketable right now in 2014. Good luck. That's horrible. That's horrible. That's, That's what horrible. I've heard my whole life. <laughs> so uh, our number, if you, A, would like to go on a date with Corey Pesaturo, um <laughs> or if you'd like to be his agent, why don't you just bring your phone and punch yourself up on YouTube and say, here, here I am at the whatever that thing is well, that right. I can't even pronounce the name of. Right. That you're, that you're, I mean, that should do it. But right? see, the negatives have – that's what's fueled me, and the reason I'm sitting here with a flamed accordion that has MIDI lights in it, is, and I play you know modern music on it, is because at first when I was a kid, I was playing and I was realizing there was okay, there's a couple of walls I've got to get. So every time I did something new, it still didn't work. I pushed it further, and I started playing electric accordion. Okay, this is not enough. It still doesn't look cool. So I skinned it with the flames. Okay, this isn't enough. So I went out and put lights in it, and this isn't enough. So now I'm going to do that. And I'm, now I'm going to actually – I'm inventing uh, a completely different shaped accordion because we've been talking about it. It is an awkward thing. And it's like when someone plays the guitar, it's sexy, or the drums, it's sexy. The accordion is still, this, like we're saying, this thing on you. So I'm trying to make a different design, and I'm going to make a different accordion. It's still an accordion, still has all the functioning things of an accordion, because I think the accordion is the most amazing instrument, as we all do here. All um, right, so, so we're going to take a little break here. Yeah. Uh, Christina Crowder is going to play us out into the break here. So uh, right. just pick a little something, Christina, and uh, get us uh, uh, into the next segment. <laughs> problem is a really big drag when I do my running. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me. Our interns are Josh Nalea and Katie Pikus. Greg Hill appeared in the intro and tweets for us at WNPR Colin. The part of Bill Curry was played by Lawrence Welk. For show pages, articles, and videos of the Faith Middleton Show staff's martini and polka party, visit our website, WNPR.org. We'll also have a much longer version of the Pogues interview as a web extra. And now... Back to Colin. All right. We have so much ground to cover and so little time. Uh, anyway, let me just tell, tell you once again who's here. Corey Pesaturo, multiple award-winning, international award-winning, international champion accordion player uh, from Rhode Island, came up here today for this show. Christina Crowder, accordion player who specializes in klezmer and other Eastern European styles and is a member of the accordion, violin, viola, trio, 
Bivolitsa. Bivolitsa? I don't know. That's okay, right. right. That's exactly right. Thank you. Will Holzhauser is many things, including uh, sometimes the house band of the Colin McEnroe show. Uh, he's got his own trio called Musette Explosion. They've got a new CD coming out. Right at the end of the show today, we're going to be playing uh, some of that uh, CD for you. What's the CD called again? What's the new uh, release called, Will? It's called Introducing Musette Explosion. All right. So um, one of the experiments that we're going to try to do here today, Kion Wolf, every time we do something like this, uh, she has to try to learn how to play whatever it is. And she's now uh, – we've had her – you've learned banjo, harmonica. Ukulele. Ukulele. Spoons. Spoons. We've had her play all kinds of things. That's awesome. So um, I'm going to have her get one little piece of advice from each one of you. So, Will, uh, you're going to have to sort of mentally picture Kion sitting there with Christina Crowder's uh, accordion uh, uh, strapped to her. What's what's one thing you want to say to her before she attempts to play it? Don't pull too hard on the bellows. Keep keep the airflow kind of light. All right. Uh, Now, Corey, you get to give her one piece of advice. (laughs) Um, Have you ever played piano? Only uh, chopsticks. Ah, I was going to say, you'd think of piano technique on the right hand. It's pretty much the exact nope, same thing that. as an angle. Uh, <laughs> she can play every instrument we've ever handed we've her. We've ever been handed able to play, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm functional, but it's not going to be too pretty. All right. Put your, put your third finger on the marking on C. That, that would be – that's probably good. We'll start with C, right? All right, well, I can feel it. <laughs> all right. And so, Christina, now give her some other instruction. Okay. So we're going to open up the top of the accordion. And the first rule that you always tell everybody is don't pull or push on the bellows without pushing one of the buttons. But after that, you can sort of basically just – you can pretty much just have at it and give it a – there you go. <laughs> That sounds like a dream I had last night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess the lesson's over. Thank you. There you go. Very good. (laughs) But that is it. You got got it to do something. I'm not sure I could have done that. Oh, oh, you had something on your mind? Yeah. The thumb. Get the thumb out of the keyboard. There's an air button. Uh. (laughs) Okay. Well, okay. So when I look at this thing, I see a ton of buttons. Is there a way to simply – it's sort of like looking at the board when you run a radio show. Right. Can you make sense of it? Well, you have basically four – on this instrument, you have four sets of reeds on the – on the um, right-hand side. So if I push this button and you push any key on the right-hand side, you can see one is kind of low. And then if I push that one, you've got more sounds. I push that one, even more sounds. And now this one is a special instrument thing. That's in a little special tone box inside the inside the instrument. And so that gives you even more special sounds. So kind of depending on what mood you want to create, uh, like what Will was doing before with his composition, you know, he's got these beautiful dissonant passages, and that all comes from the way that the reeds play with each other. Mm-hmm. And then the left hand is a very complicated mess that basically comes down to <laughs> learning how to touch type. You can't look at it, but after a while, it pretty much makes sense. And once you realize that, then it's actually super easy. It feels sort of like Braille without the Braille. Although there is, I feel, a dip in one of the little buttons. That's right. That's right. That's your home C key. And then everything in that one row that you can't see, but if I could explain it to you, all of the, all of the buttons in that one row have to do with C. Hmm. C major, C minor, C7, C diminished chord. And so you have this menu of options. And then the next row up is all about G. And then the next one's up is all about D. So if you know guitar chords, you've basically got every rock song ever made 
right at the tip of your fingers. And every hymn and every three-chord wonder that you can think of is kind of all in the same little zone. So it's actually pretty easy. Which what we're going to let you do, I think, is jam with Corey. And I, I don't know whether it's Will's on a delay or not, whether that's going to work or not. <laughs> Get but it so, on, Will. So, uh, so Corey, just start her off on something, and then she'll, she can... Uh, Quick press that button with the little indentation on it. We'll yeah. go from there. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do like Mary Had a Little Lamb. Oh, sure. Start yeah. her on E. <laughs> I'm doing it. She's doing it with the bellows. This is anything. Will, you can jump in if you want to. Well, she's playing every note with the bellows instead of. (laughs) This is amazing. I want you to know that those flourishes are totally me right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the flourishes are. Well, this reminds me when we did the harmonica show, we were talking about how the harmonica is an instrument that is one of the few instruments, if not the only, that you can't see while you're playing it. Yeah. And in a way, this is halfway like that right. because these buttons on my left hand, I have no, no idea what I'm no, doing. No, you have to. The thing is, that's the benefits because you can't feel them. It's like you're blind. You have to learn them. You have to memorize them. Mm-hmm. So it's actually easier. You can't cheat. There's and no you, way can you can cheat. feel it. You yeah. can really get your guts engaged. And you really, that's exactly it. You have this beautiful breath control with the bellows and that's what gives it on the one side the sentimentality that you know we're sort of put it in the in the dark zone there in the in the late 60s but it also gives you this beautiful control right in the middle you can be rhythmic you can be harmonic you fill this great space and it's and it's like breathing like a clarinet but without having to blow so All right. it's great. I'm going to grab a quick call here. We've got a lot of people calling up here, too. I, really, this could be a three-hour show, uh, <laughs> though I think a three-hour accordion show might end my career. But uh, here's Anthony <laughs> in West Hartford. Hi, Anthony. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm a composer of um, sort of, well, I guess we would call classical music. Um, the same sort of shift in attitude has occurred in, in classical music over the, about the same time of the past 30 years. Um, I got a commission about 10 years ago to write a piece for accordion and ensemble and electronics. And at first, I was like, oh, great, <laughs> an accordion piece. And a few of my colleagues kind of snickered. And then I started working with it, and I was amazed at the sound that you can get out of the instrument. Right. And, Will, you, this is something you can speak to, because I sense that you're kind of straddling a bunch of different lines right now. But, you know, as we, we here in Hartford have this amazing new chamber, new chamber music series where, you know, just top flight artists, like Room Full of Teeth is coming in uh, next year. And, and that's my sense, too. In the area that he's talking about right now, there are, there are serious composers, not pop composers, not, um, not, not indigenous music uh, writers, uh, but sort of serious composers who are also really interested in the accordion. Yeah, that's right. And I think the boundaries are becoming fuzzy in all these different kinds of music. So, you know, pop and classical and jazz are all kind of, you know, streaming together. I played a piece a few years ago by a a really great Italian composer named Bruno Moretti, who was a composer of new classical music who had studied with Nino Rota. And that was a very folk-influenced piece. It was very melodious. It was edgy. There's a lot of crazy dissonance, too, but a lot of sweet melodies. It was perfect for the accordion. Uh, I should mention that uh, we're going to end the show with uh, Will's band and their song from the new release, Swing Vals. Uh, and let me just grab, maybe just, I can just grab one more. We had, like, so many people calling in here. Let me grab a call from Garris. I think it says Garris here. Uh, hi, Garris, you're on the air. Hi. I picked up accordion a few years back just to play with, like, at a friend's Oktoberfest, uh, basically. But now I play in a, an old-time Americana band uh, named Snufflox. And I find, actually, I mean, I think there's a stigma still out there. But, honestly, more often than not, after we play... Uh, someone will come up and say, wow, I think it's 
really cool. I, I, I don't ever see, you know, accordion playing in a band. It's really cool that you're playing yeah. that. And you don't have anyone coming up and telling our guitarist, wow, it's so cool to see that someone's playing guitar. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. What's that guitar thing? Right? It's so uncool. But, um, <laughs> that, that is what happens. I agree totally. All right. I'm going to have to Yeah, it's a great... Oh, I'm sorry. It's no, a great, ahead, great. It's a great moment for that reason for the accordion. That I think our idea of cool is changing, and people are are especially open to things like the accordion at this point in time. All right. So this if I can is, generalize. Yeah. No, that that's a <laughs> and that's a perfect place for us to end. Which I'm I'm horrified to say we actually have to do. I want to thank all of these guests. Um, you're going to hear Will Holzhauser's new uh, CD uh, as we go out here, uh, and obviously keep track of Corey Pesaduro. He's got a website, easiest place to know everything that he's doing, and also just see some of the amazing stuff that he do. He does. Christina Crowder, uh, any particular way of uh, of keeping up with Bivolitza? Uh, just at the website, bivolitza.com. Okay, that's B I V O L I T A. That's right. Like sort of Lolita. Be All right, we're gonna we, we are going to go out with uh, with Will Holzhauser and Musette Explosion. to sleep with a little lullaby from my accordion. (laughs) 